everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into the early edition of Concrete Jungle, New York Baseball Podcast. Paul Russo alongside me as always, Calvin's behind the scenes, Nate Sharman. Hope you guys had a good weekend. I know uh, for you guys, go be sitting on pins and needles, Bills Mafia tonight. You guys get going uh, with Monday Night Football later on. So good luck. I know uh, Kyle allegedly will be in attendance tonight, I believe, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't wait to go. Um, I think it's going to be a great uh, atmosphere. Um, I think it's going to be packed, obviously, being the home opener. and Just excited for it. Nice. Good. All right. So, yeah, plenty to get into. Uh, Yankees um, dropped the series overall, but able to, to pip out a win yesterday. The Mets took care of business, doing what they needed to do to sweep. Uh, and then uh, down here locally, Rochester and Syracuse had very nice big series victories uh, late in the season to give them a nice little confidence boost. So, Lot to get to. Let's jump right in. The Yankees, like I said, um, dropping two of three to the Brewers in Milwaukee over the weekend. The Brewers taking a Friday night victory, seven to six. Taylor Rogers picks up the win, four and seven out of the year for him. A four five three ERA out of the bullpen. Clay Holmes took the loss, six and four, two five nine ERA. Top performers were Waldo Cabrera, who had himself a nice little series. You'll hear his name pop up. Two for two, a double, three walks, and a run scored. Josh Donaldson. Came up clutch, one for four, big home run in the ninth inning. Glaber Torres, two for five with a double and run scored. Um, however, to me, the main storyline really, um, really it's like the ninth inning for the Yankees. And I I, I just, a couple of favorite things. I, I know, um, I forget his name, but the umpire uh, behind home plate Friday night, umpire scorecard was not kind to him. Uh, very lopsided. I know both ways he was not great. Uh, but especially there in the ninth inning. Um, question, though, for you, Kyle, is uh, I found it interesting that Boone went out well after the fact of some questionable calls, specifically in the Miguel Andujar at bat, that inning gets tossed in the middle of Clay Holmes warming up. And to me, I, I don't think that was necessarily the, the reason why the Yankees lost. I think it threw Clay Holmes off enough that I think uh, that um, it kind of affected his performance a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of weird to see. I think that he probably didn't say anything. I mean, he probably was yelling a little bit, but he didn't go out really um, because I think if Andujar, uh, you know, picked up a hit or something there, he wouldn't have cared as much. But since I think he struck out, right, um, that kind of just set him off even more. But, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I saw Holmes trying to warm up, and he was just out kind of in the way by the plate. But, yeah, it was a tough loss. It was just strange because, I mean, I, I, I feel like if you were to do that, just go out right after the Andujar at bat, not two outs later. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're closer, your your guy that you need warming up to be ready to go in a tight spot like that is, is warming up. Um, Saturday, kind of carried over a little bit. 4-1 Brewer victory. Brandon Woodruff picks up the win, 11-4, 3-2-6 ERA for him. Jameson Tyone picks up the loss for the Yankees, moves to 13 and 5, a 404 ERA, and Devin Williams, the airbender, picks up the save for Milwaukee. It's 13th. Josh Donaldson again provided the only uh, form of offense. Really, uh, goes one for four with a solo home run. Clayber Torres went one for four with a double, and Aaron Judge one for three with a double and walk. So, um, collectively, not a great game overall. Tyone didn't look great, but again, didn't look too far off. Kind of been uh, the mo for him a little bit. Just Saturday, kind of felt like a Borderline hungover game from what happened Friday night in a way. Yeah, and they didn't really have uh, too many scoring opportunities either. They literally just had trouble getting on base and 
creating uh, opportunities to score and it's frustrating especially now because that was the second straight loss in a row after you started the road trip with two in Boston so it was a tough tough first two games of the series for sure. And then uh, yesterday on Sunday was a nice win, a 12-8 victory, although it didn't come fully easy at certain points in the ball game. Garrett Cole gets the win, moves to 12-7 on the year for his record, a 3-4-1 ERA. Hobie Milner picks up the loss for Milwaukee, 3-3, a 3-8-8 ERA for him. Um, Anthony Rizzo comes back in a big way over the weekend. Um, really good spot for him on Sunday, 3-6, solo home run and two runs scored. Well, Cabrera, once again, three for four, home run, a double, a walk, two RBIs, and two runs scored. Uh, but the man of the hour here that we're going to jump right into and, and kind of seamlessly transition with, Aaron Judge, four for five, two home runs, a double, a walk, four RBIs, three runs scored. Um, you know, big boost win going into, obviously, an off day today, a travel day to come back home. Uh, but I, I certainly feel like if they lost to Milwaukee, uh, would have certainly have left a bad taste in my mouth because look, this is a for sure potential World Series uh, matchup early on uh, that we saw here. Uh, will it likely happen at this point? Probably not, but who knows? But um, you know, Aaron Judge now 59 home runs, right at the precipice now at this point of 62 um, to get there. Um, plus, where you he is the only one really truly in contention now at the Triple Crown. He's only a single point behind uh, Minnesota Twins player Luis Ariz. Uh, in average, he's tied with Xander Bogarts at 317, or 316 rather at average. I know uh, Arez went down to 317 over the weekend. So um, we, are, we are quite the interesting crossroads here of history, potentially, uh, with Aaron Judge. Um, and again, you know, the contract talks continue to heat up, but he continues just plugging away and, and doing just tremendous things in the field, at the plate, pretty much everywhere for the Yankees. Yeah, he's he's been amazing. As Michael Case said, we might not ever see a, another season like this. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention is it's crazy that uh, back in July, Aaron Judge was hitting 271, and now we're in September, late September, and look, what, look where he's going. He might win the Triple Crown. That just shows you how much he's hitting for average, not just the homers. He's getting on base. I mean, look at yesterday. He hit a couple homers, but, I mean, he was on base four times. It's just it's so fun to watch. Um, and I think the Yankees, without him, would be nowhere where they are right now. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned, right, the average. And Judge has always been a player that obviously has natural power, but has never really truly hit for power. His swing's not exactly one that's a home run, quote-unquote, type swing, as I would call it, very much so hits for contact, hits to just get the ball in play. Um, and you mentioned that, right? I mean, you come out of the All-Star break, really specifically, I remember, I mean, he was just not not on what he had been doing. He thought potentially, quote-unquote, the All-Star hangover, you know, what, what would have happened there. But, um, you know, he has really just kind of stuck his head down and gone to work night in and night out with this Yankee lineup. And, um, look, he's put himself now at a spot where, no Yankees really been in a number of years. No player in baseball really has been in a number of years. You know, we're, we're talking about potentially first triple crown since 2012 with Miguel Cabrera. We're talking the first 60 homer season since I believe it is Bonds with the 73 in 2001, if I'm remembering right. I mean, we, we really are talking about a really, truly potential big thing coming on here 
in these final, what, 10 days or so. Yeah, and you just keep seeing his name next to names like on the screen here. Sammy Sosa, um, Barry Bonds, you know, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, just all these different stats that are out there. It's just it's crazy to see Aaron Judge with all those kind of guys like that. Uh, I mean, you look at the graphic up there, you mentioned Sosa, Hank Greenberg. I mean, it, it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, speaking of crazy, uh, obviously the one of the main deadline deals that got talked about in the MLB, not because of maybe necessarily the greatness involved within the players themselves, but Montgomery going to St. Louis for Harrison Bader. Uh, Bader has been on the IL, is slated to return to big league action tomorrow. Uh, the Yankees plan on activating the center fielder, and this would provide a much needed, at minimum, defensive boost in the outfield. Yeah, and put Aaron Hicks on his way back to the bench, hopefully. Although he had a homer yesterday, but that's that's nothing. I mean, you watch, he'll go for four his next start. Um, I don't know. I'm excited for Bader. I'm excited for the homestand because I, I don't know if you're going to mention it later, but I think LeMayu may be activated sometime during this series. Um, a couple other guys. I just think it's going to be an interesting homestand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned a plethora of other guys, too. I know there's a ton of pitching potentially right here at the precipice of returning as well, but um, obviously Bader being the main product, right? New York product. Um, grew up a Yankee fan. Um, looking forward to, to getting back here. And all things considered, he's, he's looked pretty good so far at his rehab stints at, at Somerset and, and points in between, really, whether it's, you know, his own individual workouts or team workouts. And I believe he's hit a couple homers, so yeah. he's got some pop in the bat. A lot of people know him just for his defense, but maybe he can provide some offense. I'm about to say, I mean, defense and speed has, has <clears throat> been Bader's bread and butter, more or less. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could be an interesting, like, like I said, a couple weeks here with, you know, you have Bader coming back. Uh, you mentioned LeMahieu, obviously the pitching staff as well. Um, could could see, you know, potentially, I know I haven't seen a really great update on Benintendi yet. Uh, but, Severino. Right, I mean, Severino, um, you know, not, not, to get, not to get too far ahead, but Severino is slated to pitch Wednesday against the Pirates. So Yeah, and then with Aaron Judge chasing history at, you know, mm-hmm. Yankee Stadium, I think the atmosphere is just going to be great. The fans are going to be crazy. I think it's going to be a great homestand. All right, and Nate's favorite play-by-play guy, John Sterling, coming back into the fold for, for the games because he doesn't want to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at what is ahead for the Yankees. Obviously off today, travel day to come back to New York to take two games uh, on the on the slate for them against the Pirates. Pirates obviously uh, off day today, but not don't have to go too far as they uh, played the Mets the, the end of last week. Uh, for... Uh, the games, good news for you, Kyle. Both games are on, yes, both at 7.05 tomorrow on Tuesday and on Wednesday. It's to be announced for the Pirates tomorrow. Uh, this would have been JT Brubaker's spot. He got put on the IL officially over the weekend. Uh, no matter what, the Pirates will be facing nasty Nestor Cortez, 10-4-2-7-0 ERA. And then on Wednesday, uh, favorite pitcher of Nate, I believe, technically, the way he hypes him up, Ronesi Contreras. <laughs> Be going. Uh, he is five and four on the year, a three two four ERA. He'll be going against Luis Severino, five and three, a three four five ERA. Uh, would like to imagine the Yankees get both. Don't have necessarily the faith to outright say it, but I'll go out on the limb to say the Yankees get the two games. I would hope so. That awful ball club, um, especially at home. You know, you got guys back in the lineup like Rizzo. If he loses either one of those games, that's a problem in my in my opinion. Uh, before we head to the Mets, just a quick look at the standings. Yankees obviously still in first. Uh, and despite 
you know, dropping the two of three against Milwaukee. Uh, games back-wise, distance has not changed. Second place is still five and a half out. Third is still six whole games out. Uh, but the teams have flopped. Toronto now sits in second place, five and a half out. Tampa fell the third over the weekend at a full six back. Yeah, and shout out to the Orioles yesterday for a big win over the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Kind of helped the Yankees out. Um, I still don't think anyone will catch them, but... Uh, you know, it still mattered that the Orioles won that game. All right, let's transition over to the Mets. The Mets uh, over the weekend, Thursday, long weekend, four-game set, had the Pittsburgh Pirates. It ended up being a very pivotal four-game set. We'll mention it as we get closer to the end of that. Uh, but it was, a, it was a series that we both had different feelings on. I know I said they'd take three of four, do what they had to do. I know you said a true split, but... Uh, the Mets able to just handle business over the weekend against Pittsburgh. Thursday, 7-1 Met victory. Carlos Carrasco gets his 15th, 15th win on the year. 5-15-6, and 15-6, 3-7 and ERA. Lost goes to JT Brubaker, 3-12-4, 8 ERA. Carrasco went six innings, gave up four hits, and earned run in 11 strikeouts. Revenge series, Danny Vogelbach, 2-2. Two for two. Two or a two bagger and three RBIs, and then Pete Alonso went two for three, a walk, a hit by pitch, an RBI, and a run scored. So obviously, out the gate strong transitions well over to end up being a closer game on Friday than I think they initially thought. Taiwan Walker picks up the win, 12 and four on the year for him, a 3-4-2 ERA. Mitch Keller took the loss, five and 11, a 4-0-3 ERA, and Edwin Diaz picks up his first save in about I think it was like what two weeks, something like that, his 30th on the year. Walker went seven and a third, five hits, two earned, five strikeouts. Danny Vogelbaum's again, one for two, a home run, two walks, an RBI and a run scored. And Eduardo Escobar went one for two, a double, a walk, and two runs scored. So, uh, luckily for the first two games of the series, right, Mets got that big win on Thursday. And I think they really played a pivotal part on Friday. Uh, they were up 4-1 going into the eighth and, uh, you know, obviously give up a what could have been disastrous you know, momentum-killing moment potentially in the series, but able to kind of power through it and get a good start going to the series uh, initially right off the bat with the first two games. Yeah, I mean, that uh, was good to see that they didn't kind of treat the Pirates uh, like the Nationals. I mean, the Nationals gave them trouble all year, and they're not a good team, and neither are the Pirates. But uh, for some reason, the Pirates weren't able to get a win against them. They They pretty much played well for the most part against you know, a team that's not, not in contention. Saturday was a 5-1 Met victory over the Pirates. Chris Bassett gets the win, 14-8 and now on the year, a 3-3-2 ERA. Bryce Wilson took the loss, 3-9 with 6-0-7 ERA. Bassett, six innings, three hits, eight strikeouts. Eduardo Escobar, two for three, a homer, a walk, three RBIs, and two runs scored. And Pete Alonso, one for four, a double, a walk, an RBI, and a run scored. Sunday, to complete the sweep, or as some people like calling it, the mop, I'm going to call it the mop now from here on out, I think. I kind of like it. Anyway, a 7-3 victory. Yuli Rodriguez took the win for the Mets out of the bullpen. His first on the year. Everybody round of applause for Yuli Rodriguez. Good job. Yeah. Former Yankee legend. One for four on the year now. Uh, four seven three ERA. Robert Stevenson took the loss. Two and two of five seven seven ERA for him. DeGrom's got the start. No decision. Five innings. Four hits. Three earned and 11, or 13 strikeouts, rather. Jeff McNeil, two for two, three walks, two RBIs and runs scored, and Danny Vogelbaum's two for four, a walk, and two RBIs. So 
excellent completed mop sweep um, for the Mets. Specifically, though, yesterday, it could have gone disastrous quick. DeGrom um, exceeded pitch limit-wise where he had been all year, hit triple digits, uh, and ended up giving up a three-run home run to O'Neill Cruz. But uh, the Mets uh, really got the head down and, and picked up at least the win collectively on the day. Obviously, you know, you hope DeGrom would, would pick up the win, but um, you know, at the end of the day, a win is a win, especially in that fashion, able to, to kind of take care of business in the second half of a game like that. Yeah, and basically the story for the Pirates, I mean, they ran into really good pitching, they had no offense, and three runs probably isn't going to do it against the Mets, but yeah, that's what happened. They couldn't scratch Ross anymore against their bullpen, which I've said all year that I'm a little worried about the Mets' uh, bullpen, but they did okay in this series, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so a couple, you know, interesting things here. I'm, I almost start with what I'm calling the people's champion at this point, Eduardo Escobar. Big series for him collectively over the weekend. Uh, came up big at the plate. Came up big in the field. Um, he's become a bit of a TikTok sensation in the baseball community because uh, um, the Mets. I'm guessing they probably have a little bit of dictation now of where everybody kind of handles their own socials or channels rather uh but uh, he he has some fun with the tiktoks usually running away from the camera before coming back and doing it uh but eduardo escobar one of the free agent sightings got off year started off really good for him kind of simmered out a little bit over the summer got dinged up uh but has really come out good late after coming back from having a bleak issue and quad issue and has really come on good I, and this will be a big piece for them uh, moving forward because, one, he's got a really good bat. He's got a really good glove. But this is a guy who kind of knows what he's doing out there uh, with the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, tends to, like I said, he tends to just have quality get bats. And that's something I think any team in contention like the Mets are in need for the postseason. Yeah, I think when the when the move first happened, Mets fans, like, didn't really know much about him. Um because he was in Arizona, I feel like a lot of team or a lot of fans don't kind of pay attention to the Diamondbacks. But yeah, I think he's an under the radar pickup. He's consistent. He gets on base. I think he's what every team would want, you know, from their third baseman. So uh, Mets, the Mets got a good guy for sure. And then uh, a stat that you don't enjoy particularly getting to during any one given year: the Mets eclipsed over 100 hit by pitches over the weekend. Not their pitchers being players, uh, them getting beaned at the play, and it finally boiled over. You kind of saw it a little bit on Friday. Buck uh, Showalter had a moment of internet stardom uh, because the producers at SNY had a perfectly timed moment going to him to the dugout, getting upset after a beaning. And then finally on Saturday, Pete Alonso got beaned, uh, and you had the benches finally kind of just empty over. And it, it's tough, right? I, I think rarely now do you ever see pitchers deliberately out to hunt a guy at the plate. But at the end of the day, I mean, we've all played varying levels of baseball in the room, and I feel like I can speak for all of us. I'd say getting beamed is like something that you never want anyway as a batter, let alone whatever level it is. Um, so the fact that it took this long, I give credit to the Mets in a way that I give credit to their temperament that they made this long, but... I mean, I, I feel like at about the 50 mark, I would have boiled over before I finally just benched out. Brawl. They didn't brawl, but the bench is emptied and would have had a um, 
minimum of a discussion with the pitcher, whoever did it. Yeah, obviously you get their frustration, um, especially when it keeps happening to the, it seems like the same um, few players. Right, I mean, Pete Alonso to me is the one. I mean, he was the one who, when the beaning did occur, that the bench is finally emptied, and he's been, I feel like the focal point of it, he got beaned, I believe, three times in the past, like, ten days alone, like, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it does seem to be the same people. Yeah, and I do get both sides, but um, that Alonzo hit by pitch, obviously, to me, was not intentional at all. But I, but if you're getting hit that many times, you're going to get mad. So I, I get his side. But that was, if people are saying that's intentional, it's far from intentional. Right. No, no, no. But there has been some, right. I think, that have been more intentional. It reminds me a lot of, um, this is a name that's going to really go back in the Rolodex here to a degree, but um, played for the White Sox and the Padres, Carlos Quinton, was about his time because they were one of the nicest guys ever, very even-temperamented guy. But finally had enough. I think one year he had like 10 hit by pitches by like the end of May and Zach Greinke um, could not get his curveball to bite one time and being Quentin and he just had enough and just charged the mound. Like, I mean, and look, it happens, right? I mean, no matter what, if it, if they aren't intentional, even like you said, I, I don't think any of the Pirates ones were intentional, right? By any means, but I mean, eventually you do get fed up and pissed off enough that you're just going to take matters into your own hands every now and then. Yeah, and 100 hit by pitches, that is insane. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't get, like, why like teams are hitting them 100 times. Right. It's crazy. I mean, I, I know throughout the year a couple of them have been intentional, but, you know, like like we say, I mean, when well over 90% aren't, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. I think it speaks a lot to maybe where the pitching is now in its current state or lack thereof. I, I don't know, but... Um, Looking ahead for the Mets, uh, no travel day for them. They're right going at the Milwaukee Brewers starting to, excuse me, starting tonight. 7.40 first pitch on SNY. Potentially the matchup really of the remaining regular season here pitching-wise. Max Scherzer, 9-4, a 2-2-6 ERA goes against Corbin Burns. A 10-7 record, a 2-9-7 ERA. Wow. <laughs> Uh, should be an exciting one there. Uh, tomorrow, 7.40, first pitch Tuesday, SNY. Carlos Carrasco, 15-6, ERA against to be announced for the Brewers. Wednesday, a 2-10 getaway game on SNY. Taiwan Walker gets to start 12-4 on the year, a 3-4-2 area against Adrian Hauser, 6-9, a 4-8-5 ERA. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that matchup tonight. I know, um, I know everybody else's focus will tend to be a little bit elsewhere, but... Uh, if you are able to get any sort of eyes on that game, I recommend it. You'll probably go see a very good. I mean, this is going to be a pitching matchup for the ages. Yeah, if you have multiple TVs, uh, like someone I know, just flip them on. Same, I know that same person. <laughs> <laughs> As you, Ricky Henderson, yourself. But um, look, I, I I know I'm getting hung up on this one game, but I mean, when you have an all-time great like Scherzer and a guy in Corbin Burns who was well on his way and and probably the NL Cy Young at this point like yeah Yankees are lucky they didn't have to see him I mean they missed him by a day so yeah um this is tough it's like I said the Brewers this is kind of the ideal point here because the Brewers play the Yankees so we do have fresh eyes on them to me the Brewers didn't play exceptionally great baseball against the Yankees they just kind of took advantage of the mistakes presented from them uh, they had three three-run homers, right. which really changed each right. game. Or somewhere besides Earl, the Sunday Earl, game, Earl Weaver is smiling down. 
with that being said, I'm going to go, I think the Mets take two of three. I, 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 it's tough tonight. I think it's a really coin flip tonight. Uh, but Walker's pitched really well against Hauser, who's really hit and miss. Um, obviously, tomorrow, the Brewers don't know who they're going with. I, I don't know if they'll do the quote-unquote bullpen game or, you know, Josh Winbaum gets a call-up for a spot start or something. So, uh, I'm going to go two of three, though, for the Mets. I'll say two of three for the Brewers. All right. I, again, I think this is like the Yankees. I think it goes either way. Yeah. I don't see a sweep happening one side or the other. Yeah, for sure, no. For the Mets, like I mentioned, pivotal sweep for the Pirates because they were unable to distance themselves to Atlanta. Atlanta still remains only a game back, second place in the NLE standings. Uh, but look, I mean, like we said, I mean, this is where those, that's the series that the Mets are come off of where you had to take care of business. You had to get those wins against a team that you should get wins on. And I believe the Braves are playing the Nationals, so things could change a little bit if right. the Mets struggle in the series. But yeah, the Braves are going to be there. I mean, what, 16 games ago, 15 games ago? Yeah. Seems like they're going to be there to that final series, which is going to be incredibly fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of fun to watch, it was a fun uh, weekend if you were in Rochester or Syracuse watching the Red Wings or the S-Mets, both taking uh, the week-long series 4-2 to two against their respective opponents. Rochester taking 4-2 to against Lehigh Valley, same with Syracuse over Buffalo. Uh, Rochester had beyond a, what I'm going to call a well-rounded effort over the weekend, Jake Alou. And Andrew Stevenson really powered that lineup through the weekend. Um, you know, Lou up on the screen there. But he's he's been, I mean, he's probably been about one of the more consistent bats, if not the most consistent Red Wing bat since getting called up from Harrisburg uh, midway through the summer. And Stevenson, obviously, been around the whole year. Um, you know, quote-unquote former national top prospect. But, uh, man, he had a really just fantastic year for him. Uh, Logan Brent and Patrick Murphy both had quality starts over the weekend. Um, it, just for the Red Wings, really collectively a good, well-rounded effort through the whole through the whole week, let alone the weekend, but through the whole week. Yeah, the offense was insane. I mean, they had 22 hits yesterday. I saw they tweeted out like a graphic or, or at least a tweet mm -hmm. um, about how they outscored some NFL teams with their with the amount of hits that they had. Um, that that was crazy. Uh, everyone contributed. Mm -hmm. Andrew Stevenson had like a three-hit game with a triple. Like yeah, every single person. Yeah. Some guy that I haven't heard of made a triple-A debut and had yep. four hits. Yeah, he, um, I know he went deep. I forget the name off the top of my head. I don't remember seeing him, though. Number 55. It's one of my favorite numbers, low-key. So. Yeah, just everyone seemed like up and down lineup mm -hmm. were contributing. The pitching was pretty solid for the most part. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one night they had a rough night with the bullpen. But, yeah, it was a good series for them, for sure. And then shout-out to the bestest boy, Milo, the bad dog. Final appearance of the year occurred over the weekend on Saturday. Milo was able to raise over $13,000 for local pet charities in Rochester this year. So kudos to the bestest boy doing the bestest job up there. I, he deserves all the pets and all the boops and all the trios in the world. Yeah, see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> for the S-Mets, you know, I mentioned, right, uh, for them, I, I mentioned a little bit, obviously, last Thursday, right, um, with some guys rehabbing for the Mets, a bit of a roster and flux a little bit, but they had done pretty well kind of going forward with it. And then they found stabilization over the weekend. They, too, powerball. A lot of their power this time around came from uh, solely, in a way, Francisco Alvarez. Had a big, big weekend, uh, multiple home run stuff, and obviously a uh, little bit of a health concern at the start of the week with him, but came back really strong. Uh, 
you know, he's look at he odds are he'll be in a Met uniform next year. I'm talking big league Met. So um, it's really good to see him come on. He had a little bit of a rough patch in the past couple weeks, like I said, but uh, like it got revealed earlier this past week that might have been a little bit of a health issue that he was dealing with, and he just able to bow back and rally strong. And like I said, he really pretty much powered that S-Met offense. I know Daniel Polka provided some help along the way as well, Jake Mangum, uh, kind of like the usual suspects that you've seen all of them. And, um, you know, they really just did a, a really bang-up job against um, – you know Buffalo, and I, I didn't stand enough with Rochester defeating Lehigh Valley, but two of the top teams in in the IL East. I mean, the ones who really came on strong through the summer. Yeah, Alvarez had his first, uh, I think, four hit game yesterday of his yeah. AAA career, so that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. He'll be in a Mets uniform very shortly. Um, I say uh, see a James McCann. Yeah, well, I mean, free agent anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. But but these are big. You know, we mentioned a little bit last week. You know, now now you're now you're entering. Obviously, statistically, they are out of the playoffs, right? Fifteen games back, twenty games back, uh, respectively for each. Um, and you know, there's only what nine games left. So, um, a lot of this stuff, right? Confidence boosting stuff. You know momentum stuff to get through next year talk a little bit you know a little bit last week about the coaching scenarios potentially what we'll see on the benches next year so yeah guys are still playing for a lot it's good to see you know you get the confidence boost like that and and get it going and you know make sure these final nine games are are good ones and strong ones yeah and some of these uh, prospects or kids want to show the organization like what they can do so yeah their team's not going anywhere but individual at bats matter or individual pitching you know, performances matter. Right. So, yeah. I mean, obviously they all want to win still, but I think that's also a main focus, too. You don't want to struggle. Right. So, yeah, it's good to see that they're playing well at the end of the year. Yep. Uh, for the Red Wings, they're on the road, a short road trip for them. They head to Buffalo for the week. For Syracuse, they had to uh, Worcester to play the Hoosocks one final time. So, uh, th- again, we'll mention this a little bit next, you know, at the end of the week, but they do return home each team for three games next week as part of the AAA extended season that we have now. So um, not completely out of the woods yet to go out and see them, but uh, certainly on borrowed time. Um, so that does it for Concrete Jungle for today. I uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Kyle, uh, hope you have a fantastic time tonight up in Buffalo. Yeah, thank you. I definitely will. They appreciate about the scenes. I know uh, you were busy over there working uh everything so we can get much out of you today but hopefully we'll get a couple more words out of you on on thursday uh so for nate Sharman, kyle evans paul russo here have a fantastic week everybody catch concrete jungle here on youtube uh monday and thursday or any time to catch up also listen on anchor spotify and all other major podcasts and platforms we'll talk thursday have an awesome week everybody